baby. What's going on, fight fans? UFC 292 in Boston, the home of some of the most fanatic fans in the entire world. And what did we have tonight? We had an absolute spectacle. The main card was fantastic. The undercard was fantastic. I'm so jacked up right now. I feel like I'm talking a thousand miles an hour. I know John had a fantastic time. My right-hand man, my confidant, the best co-host host in the game. Um, if you blinked, you would have missed it in the main card. But before we get into any of the absolute monstrosity that was this absolute amazing card tonight, uh, Mr. John Ron Lacan, my dude, what's going on, man? You're looking fantastic as always. How we doing, brother? Hey, we're doing great. We just saw two amazing championship fights. Like you said, the entire card was on fire. The crowd was on fire. I was on fire. It was an absolutely amazing card. Capped off by Sugar Sean O'Malley getting the championship win with a step back right hand. Like Alfredo Icacera said in the comments, holy shit. That's basically the reaction that everyone has after the main event we just saw. But man, what, what a fight it was. And Let's just get right into it. Main event, I want to take away your reactions because the first first round, it seemed like Sugar was doing such a good such a good job just moving all around. And then Aljo uh, was, you know, able to, towards the end, maybe get a little bit of the clinch, not really get the takedown. In the second round, 30 seconds in, like we said, Sugar Sean O'Malley with the step back right hand over the top, getting Aljo to face plant, finishes with ground and pound, gets the win, championship of the bantamweight division is Sugar Sean O'Malley. What was your immediate reaction going in or after that fight? I'll give you a, a direct play-by-play -play of my immediate reaction. Holy shit! That was my fucking reaction, dude. I, if, Like I said, if you would have looked away for half a second, you would have missed the entire knockout. It was so fast and so quick. And I think that the thing coming into this fight was a lot of people were – Way more high on Aljo. I think everybody knew Sean O'Malley is very scary. I mean, they've said it 10 times in the commentary tonight with Anik, Cormier, and Rogan. Uh, Sean's a sniper. That's exactly what he is. Now, has he rocketed to the ranks a little faster than people thought he should have? Sure, that's public opinion. But guess what fighters don't give a shit about? Public opinion. Because if you're in the ring fighting for a championship belt, it ain't, it ain't about anybody outside except you and the other man standing across from you in that octagon right now. Tonight was all about... How good is Sugar Sean O'Malley? Okay. And I think he proved to the world just how deadly he was. And that's taking away a championship belt from the greatest, what, can we say one of, if not the greatest? Yeah, one of the greatest bantamweight champions of all time. Of all time. Exactly. So to do it in that fashion on the world's biggest stage was electric. I mean, I jumped out of my seat. I'm standing up. I'm like, I need to run somewhere, but I don't know where to go. Like, I, I feel like I need to move because I got so much energy right now. It was beautiful, man. Um, I think I think the thing that I – here's how I forecasted the fight going. I thought what was going to happen, and I actually had Sean in this fight. I really believe that he really is such a technical and high IQ fighter, even though some people are like, yeah, he smokes pot and he sounds dumb. That's fine. Again, doesn't matter. The guy is one of the most tactic – one of the best tacticians in the game. And what he does best is he, with those feints that he loves to throw people's way, he learns your movements. He diagnoses what movements you're doing, how you react, what move you counter to. And if he steps here, where do you step? If he feints here, where does your head move? So this is how I thought it was going to play out. I actually believed that Aljo, he does this thing where he, he kind of goes in lazy with his head on takedowns. So I thought what Sugar might do is as soon as he can throw a jab to get Aljo to shoot, he was going to throw a knee, 
right into him. That's how I expected it to go because a lazy head movement on a double leg or a single leg is primed for a knee. And he didn't do any of that, but he did the same thing as far as he the first round, people started booming in the, in the stands. I get it. You wanted to see a little bit more action from two strikers. We got five rounds, people. Why are you booing in the first round? What these two fighters were doing were downloading all the information from each other, diagnosing how they're stepping. And I'll tell you what, John, or uh, I'll tell you what, John, Sugar Sean was working with a goddamn 10,000 bajillion megapixel, megabyte, mega whatever computer. And he was quantum mechanics out there. He was just lightning quick, knew exactly what was going to happen, took the first round and everything that he saw and immediately deployed it in the second round. Like you said, 30 seconds. Sorry I rambled so much, but goddamn, that was I'm I'm still jacked to the tits, bro. No, it was an absolutely insane, like you said, download of information. Alex is here saying O'Malley was looking at Aljo's PS5 controller, uh, essentially just screen peeping uh, the entire time. But man, like you said, it was an insane finish for him to get the win and for us to usher in the era of Sugar Sean O'Malley. It's it's the next level of stardom, right? Like this is the guy that the UFC has been behind for a little while. And for him to take that next step and to become a champion, and all we don't know how long he'll be champion. We don't know who his next competition is going to be, if it's going to be an Aljamain Sterling rematch, if it's going to be a Marab fight. We don't know what the next step is for Sugar Sean O'Malley. But for him to get to this point, to become a champion, is just the next level of stardom for him. And for him to not only do it, but to do it the way he did. Like, if you know the story of Sean O'Malley, he's self-made. He doesn't have a manager or someone really just, you know, managing his career. He's a, a fighter for the fighters. And he's also uh, unapologetically himself. He's not anybody else. He doesn't try to be, you know, someone that he's not. He just sticks to being himself regardless of what anybody else says. And he's now going to be etched in legacy and in history as as the bantamweight champion uh, of this time and it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here so let's talk about what the next step is do you think it's an aljamain sterling rematch or do you think you see somebody like a marab next honestly this is going to come down to one of those things where i think dana uh, i don't know i don't know if he gives the rematch back to sterling with the way he was finished it wasn't like a, a four or five round all-out war, comes down to a decision, could have been the toss-up. This was first round of pretty much nothing, and then a second round of somebody just lit some C4 off in that octagon. It was so impressive. I don't think you give him Aljamain Sterling again. You've seen Aljamain as the champion now for, I don't even know how long. Has it been eight fights, ten? How long has it been? Yeah, he's, he's been a champion a while. And also, I didn't even mention Cheeto Vera is one of the names that could potentially, obviously, yes. Sean O'Malley wants the Cheeto Vera match back. That could yeah. be a potential next fight, too. So so I don't think you I don't think you give Algermain that fight again. I think you kind of knock him down a peg because I think there's more exciting fighters right now that the UFC would like to see. Again, Algermain's been there a while. We already know what he does. He'll he'll grapple you and wrestle you all day long and hopefully get the decision win or submit you. That's what he does. But you got guys like Peter Yan, Sanhagen, Marlon Vera, uh, Mirab Devashili. Like these guys are guys that you want to see Sean go up against because it's going to be a striking match. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be strategic. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Those are the matches the UFC wants to put on. I'm not saying Aljamain Sterling isn't deserving of a rematch, but if I'm the UFC and if I'm Dana White, his time has come, it has been there, and now it has passed. Could he get back there? For sure he could. I mean, he could go out and ragdoll some of these guys back again and, and work his way back up. 
but I don't think you go right back to it. Again, like I said, it was such a spectacular finish. There was nothing really left to the imagination, and that was how I was hoping it would go down. I hoped that uh, Sterling wouldn't ragdoll him for five rounds, and he didn't. And so I think it's time to pass the torch on to Sean O'Malley. Now this is how do you make Sean O'Malley fights better, not can you redeem Aljamain Sterling's career. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. No, I think that's an excellent point. And when there's a definitive finish to a fight, there's a lot less likely for there to be that rematch, at least immediately, right? You're more likely to see him maybe take on the next challenge as Alger recovers, as he decides if he's going to move up to 45 or if he's going to stay at 35. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to be him. You know, we already know that he has the beef with Marab, the jacket hole situation that's yeah. that's gone on over there. That's um, what they're fighting that, for next, by the way. They're fighting for, they're fighting not for a belt, they're fighting for the jacket. Marab for Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Sugar Sean O'Malley for the red jacket. Uh, that's going to be the next fight. No, but we don't know it's what it's going to be. Or it could be, you know, Cheeto Vera, which would be an interesting fight as well, because, you know, both guys have evolved since their last matchup. Like Cheeto is a much better fighter and Sean O'Malley is a much better fighter, too. And obviously we don't know how that first fight would have played out, given, you know, you hit that calf and you hit that nerve and it kills that leg. You know, there's only so much you can do at that point. That's just something that you really can't avoid, you know. So it's something that we don't know if he doesn't hit that spot, if maybe it's an inch higher or an inch lower. How does that fight go? But it did teach Sean O'Malley to start maybe defending in those leg kicks a little better. And he showed that he has a little hole in his game. And we actually saw Aljo starting to kick and attack the legs early in this fight. We, that was one of the things that we started to see before we saw him clinch up towards the end of the round was uh, Aljo kicking those legs. But from there, we saw in the fourth, second round, actually, obviously, Sean O'Malley was able to get the knockdown, wins the championship. He's going to be bantamweight champion. I'm excited to see where he goes from there. But let's move on to the co-main event. Let's move on to Weili Zhang versus Amanda Lemos. And man, that was an exciting fight in itself. I mean, in the first round, Weili was able to take her down and almost almost get the finish and, and just get some nasty ground and pound. Uh, I think Amanda was able to almost get a Darce in there. Was uh, Rayleigh was wise to it, able to get out of it. Second, third round, you know, is pretty rinse and repeat. Rayleigh was able to take her down. In the fourth round, you saw maybe a little bit of, of you know, the gas tank of Weili Zhang go down a little bit. So Amanda Lemos had a little bit of uh, more success in that fourth round. But, man, that fifth round, what happened? Weili with a right hand, boom, knocks Amanda Lemos down, gets on top of her. Shout out to Amanda, though. She was able to get out of a lot of bad situations. I'm talking talking elbows from the top from Weili Zhang. She had her in a crucifix. She had her back. She had knocked her down. She did everything to get Amanda Lemos out of there, but she still was able to stay in the fight. So I do want to give credit to Amanda for staying in the fight. But, man, Weili looked absolutely dominant. Um, I mean, I have some of the numbers for after that fight. What was it? It was on the strikes, 288 to 21 on the strikes for for that fight and 15 minutes almost of of ground control top time for uh, for Weili Zhang. So it was an absolutely amazing fight. She dominated top to bottom. I'm excited to see the next step for her. It seems like we're seeing the next step 
for her as well, right? We want to talk about the growth in fighters. Not only is she's she's developed a better ground game and starting to use it a little bit more and not just swing. And we know she has the power. We saw the knockdown in the fifth round. And for her to carry that knockout power to that fifth round is also something that we should talk about. But for her to do that in the fifth round and not only do that, but on top of grappling for a couple rounds before that, that was also really, really impressive. So I want to ask, you know, what, what would you see in her fight against Amanda Lemos? And what do you think is next for Weili Zhang? Uh, I think what we saw from Wei Li is the fact that I think she's tightened up so much of her game that you can clearly tell how much work she puts in when she's not in the octagon on fight night. She is clearly so well-rounded from top game to bottom game to ground pressure to stand up to defense. She is so well-rounded. She, she might be the most well-rounded mixed martial artist in the women's division I've ever seen. I mean, she is extremely impressive. She is I mean, she's a Chinese tank, dude. She is absolutely coming for you, guns ablaze, and her gas tank seems like it's almost never empty. I know they kept saying that her gas tank looked empty, but I think that was just a fighter finding areas that they could catch their breath a little bit. I don't think she was truly very gassed because you saw how much power and velocity she was able to exert in that fourth and fifth round. And she's been there before. You know what I mean? She's been there. So Wei Li, to me, is the pinnacle right now. For women fighters. I mean, she is somebody that, that young girls can look up to and be like, holy shit, this woman is one of the most badass women on the entire planet. I do have to give it up, though, uh, to Amanda Lemos. She was caught, like you said, in a ton of bad positions. There was a lot of times where she was able to sink in some submissions that we all thought, oh, this could be it. In the first round, she had that darts. She kind of lost control of her legs a little bit. And again, this speaks back to Wei Lee. Having the mindset and being so calm, cool, and collected in that high-pressure situation, that very dangerous situation, to maneuver herself to the side, not get her legs trapped up and wrapped up by Lamos, and was able to get into the half guard so that she could actually put space in between her. Because it still looked like – I mean, Lamos is squeeze. Anybody else, that would have been a submission without the legs. It, it, I, I guarantee it would have been. Had, had she not been fighting the Chinese tank, Wei Li Zhang, it would have been a submission. She would have gotten away with the belt. I believe that. I mean, those those look. She had what three? I think three separate times. She had a guillotine. She had the darce choke, and I believe she had another guillotine at one point. That I just, think it was two darces, but I could be wrong. Two darces. Okay. Either way, there were two neck cho- neck chokes and neck cranks that I was just like, dude, that looks like that's it. She got caught, and she was doing so well. And Whaley again, calm, cool, and collected, was able to hop out of it. She's just so good at not losing her head. And that is so important when you are talking about a champion. There's a difference between a top 15, top 10, and top five fighters and a champion, a consummate professional, somebody who's going to go out there and do it time in, time out, does not lose their cool in high-pressure situations. Huge applause to both women in this fight. They were absolutely so fun to watch. I did not expect it to go all five, five rounds after those first two, but Amanda Lemos is a fucking badass. Yeah, and, and to the to your point, I think DC said it on commentary. When you're in a submission like that, the worst thing you can do is panic. The worst thing you can do is is get your adrenaline pumping and get your blood pumping more. So when that blood restricts, it's more, it's worse, right? Yeah. So for Whaley to be able to stay calm in those positions was just insane. But the next challenge for her is is also going to be another one that we, we want to see because you know, it could be Yan Nan, and we obviously know that the, she has a knockout power. She has the striking ability. You know, she has the good ability on the floor. Maybe doesn't is hasn't shown it as much yet. 
but she potentially could be somebody that we could see next. But also, I think who we're going to see next is Tatiana Suarez. I mean, uh, with the way that Tatiana has come back and dominated, you know, the way she has, you know, the wins that she's gotten recently. I mean, she's beaten Jessica Andrade via submission. Montana De La Rosa, obviously, a little bit less of, of talented. But, you know, when you talk about beating Jessica Andrade the way she did, you know, she could potentially be next. But like I said, you also have... You know, Yan Janan potentially there as well. Who are you thinking potentially could be next for Weili Zhang? Well, honestly, you didn't even mention the number one contender right now, Carla Esparza. That's going to be the next one. Uh, no, fuck no. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, God, no. Please don't ever do that. No, I, I think Yao Janan would, uh, would be a fantastic fight because you're now getting a chance for, okay, you have your audience in China, Okay. You have Beijing. Are they both from Beijing? I believe uh, at least one of them. I know. I know uh, Wei Li is. Anyway, doesn't matter. If you have two Chinese fighters, I think it might be the first time ever in UFC history two Chinese fighters are fighting each other for the belt. I believe it's the first time ever. Think about the draw that you have, not only as a UFC pay-per-view event, but as an international spectacle. You got the entire country of China, you know, watching two Chinese, and it doesn't matter. China wins either way. I don't normally like to say that, but you know, China, China, <laughs> China wins in that, and that would be such a huge promotional crossover for them. Not not only again as a first time ever Chinese battle for the for the belt, but also just an international spectacle that would draw in so much money for the UFC. Again, I'm thinking in business terms for the UFC. Um, if you don't think Yao Jinan has earned it yet, you can't go wrong with Tatiana Suarez. You can't. Both of those two girls are the two top fighters right now that I would put up against Wei Li Zhang. And again, I think either fight is going to be awesome. They're going to have two totally different draws, um, but you're not going to find a bad fight in either of those. So I love both of those. The other thing I do want to see, um, and I know that she still has to wait her turn. I'm, and this is a bias to me. I'm waiting on the return of Rose Namajunas, man. I'm just, I'm waiting on the return for her. She's beaten Wei Li already. Um, I just, that's, I think it might be her kryptonite, but who knows? Maybe Wei Li has already, you know, cinched up all those little loopholes that she had and all those little deficiencies where Rose was able to catch her. But, um, no, those first two Suarez, Yao Janan or Yao Janan, both of those fights, you cannot go wrong with them. Yeah. I think to your point, the excellence, uh, the excellent point you made about the business potential of having two Chinese fighters, not only that, two Chinese female fighters, right? These are potentially females that uh, young girls can look up to. Like when you're t- t- thinking about the next step in the growth of the sport, you have to think about the next generation. And when you're talking about developing athletes and hubs, I mean, you're seeing it happen about with uh, with Mexico, with, you know, the before when you had three champions with Brandon Moreno and you had um, uh a couple other champions, I'm blanking on them right now, but um, you know what I mean? But you had, you know, the talented hub of Mexico coming out there and you can have the potential of China doing the same thing, having potentially two female champions uh, coming out of the country there as well. Uh, so I think that's an excellent point. But like I said, Tatiana Suarez, we saw the grappling of Whaley tonight. The grappling of that versus grappling of Tatiana would be something would be awesome to see as well. So if Whaley's able to clear that challenge, that's something that we could see next. But let's talk about the future, man. Let's talk about Ian Machado Gary because, man, 30-24 on the scorecard is pretty damn impressive. And, you know, shout out to to Neil Magny for not getting finished. But, 
the way that Ian Gary was able to go out there and the first two leg kicks that he threw, he dropped Neil Magny. He just let made him fall to the floor. And from there, you already knew there was going to be a little bit of a problem with those leg kicks. And those leg kicks were absolutely devastating. It was from the second round on. You saw the wincing in Neil Magny. And you saw that Keith Peterson wanted to step in and wanted to potentially stop the fight just on the leg kicks alone, which speaks to the damage and which speaks to the power of, of the leg kicks of Ian Gary. So I think it was impressive. I think for him to do that over the guy that has the most wins in that division, it lets him take that next step. He passes that test because, you know, I think the last best fight that he had against D-Rod, that, that was super impressive. It was a head kick that dropped him and was able to get the finish from there. But for him to do it over the next level of competition, like a Neil Magny, a guy that's known to control you and be uh, able to, you know, grapple you and take your strength. We saw the the that, Ian Gary was able to stay strong in those positions. And I think that was impressive as well. So I'm excited to see the future with him. I think if it's him, Wonder Boy next, that's a perfect challenge for him uh, because Wonder Boy's striking is just so unique. It's a puzzle that you have to figure out in itself. It's totally different from anybody else that's striking. It's not very conventional compared to anybody else. So what do you think Ian Gary versus Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson looks like? I love it. Uh, I absolutely love it. I also like kind of the timing of it because I think, you know, a lot of people like to think Ian, uh, or I'm sorry, that Stephen Thompson is getting up there in age, and he is. He's been doing this for quite a long time, but he still looks really good. There's a reason um, that he is a top 10 contender still. Like, he's not some, like, used to have a name, now he's just a name, but he's not in the rankings. He's still up there. He's number eight, I believe. Uh, he's number seven. I'm sorry. Um, so I think one, their body styles and their fight styles definitely match up together. Obviously, Steven's got a lot more of that karate, a little bit of taekwondo mixed in there. Ian Gary, he he just puts a little bit of everything together very well. His leg kicks are nasty. His timing's really good. His agility and footwork are really good, which makes him a great matchup for Steven Wonderboy Thompson. I don't believe they want to go to the ground. If they do go to the ground, both guys are pretty proficient. I understand. But this is going to be a match where you're going to want to watch the stand-up because I think Ian Gary wants to prove that he can spar and actually go out there and go, you know, kick for kick, will you say, uh, with a guy like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And if he gets that win, I mean, he's catapulted right now to – I mean, if he gets the win over Stephen Thompson, does he jump up to seven? Does he jump over Luke A. Brady Neal? Does he automatically get into that seven spot? Puts him right underneath Shavkat? I think that's that's probably where you put him, right? Because um, Luke, I think Luke probably stay above him because of the win versus RDA. Given even though that RDA is a little bit older, I think Luke showed some skills that were, you know, you can't deny what Luke has done in the past, the finishing ability, and then what he did. Like I said, to RDA, uh, potentially you could put him over Sean Brady. Sean Brady is the is not the same, you know, level hasn't beat the same level of competition yet. He lost uh, to Bilal, I believe, by knockout. So it's going to be tough. But I think, you know, if he beats somebody like Wonderboy, yeah, you can put him over Wonderboy and you can put him up um, over Sean Brady as well. So um, I think he's in a great position. I think for him to call out Wonderboy is the perfect call out. I think, honestly, um, that was probably the best decision he could have made is, is having the right call out ready. Is yeah. just being perfect for him because when you're that star of that level and you're trying to make your name, you have to take the right path. 
And he's obviously he's a good grappler. He's able to saw we saw the takedown. We saw the ground and pound towards the end of the third round. You know, he's good on the ground, but you don't want to go up there and, and fight a Bilal Muhammad immediately, right? That's the type of guy that's, you know, the level up of Neil Magny, right? He's going to be able to, you know, take you down and, and kind of wrestle you. And that pressure that Bilal has is something that's insane too. So I think that's the matchup against Stephen Wonderboy is, is super great. Uh, I think that's a perfect haul out for him. And I hope we see it. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's so funny that you say that because I agree with you on the, you don't want to match him up with Bilal or anybody like that real quick because you're going to want time for Ian Gary to be able to watch more film. Some fighters don't watch film. Ian Gary does not strike me as one of those guys. I believe he, just like Sean O'Malley, is one of these guys that's very strategic. He has a game plan for every time he comes in and he exploits weaknesses. I mean, what he did to Neil Magny tonight, that was incredible. I mean, that was just three rounds of absolute destruction and tearing down. I mean, he planted he planted a bomb at the base of Neil Magny and watched the ripple effect all the way to the top. I mean, it was very strategic. And for a guy as young as Gary to be that skilled and to just do something like that to somebody who's been in the sport for so long and, and a lot many people revere Neil Magny for what he's done, it was awesome to watch. And I think it's so funny as well that we talked a couple of weeks ago, I believe, John, <clears throat> about the marketability, how – some of these newer fighters don't seem to be quite as marketable as some of the big names that we used to and kind of that passing of the guard from a lot of the guys that we a lot of the guys and girls that we used to watch growing up and even even just a couple of years ago starting to starting to be on the tail end of their careers tonight we saw three people that I think are extremely marketable Sugar Sean O'Malley you can market the absolute shit out of that guy Ian Machado Gary 100%. Of course you can always market the Irish guys. Why why is it always the Irish guys that you can just promote and they're going to they're going to be great. They're great on the mic. They always have swag. They know they what just to have say. a good voice, right? We just love to hear the voice. The voice it, it's lulling me. It's calling me in. They're like sirens. They're Irish sirens is what they are, calling from the cliffs that you want to hear these guys talk. And then Wei Li Zhang. She is extremely marketable because of the big base that she comes from and how much backing she has behind her. I mean, you and saw. Sorry to cut you off, but she's oh, also yeah. added the English. I mean, the pop yes. that he, she's yes. gotten for just a couple of words that she's learned of English. I mean, credit to any international fighter mm-hmm. that's willing to learn English because it is a hard language. You know, obviously yes. we're born into it and stuff like that. But when you're talking about translation from another language to English, mm-hmm. it's very hard. So for her to come out there, learn what she did, and she was able to, you know, sound coherent, even though it was, you know. Yeah. A little, you know, said this a lot of the same things. Thank you, Boston, and everything. But you know, she was out there. She got some pops, and I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, a lot more people is are going to remember Whaley because of even the little bit of English she spoke. Whether if she didn't speak any English at all, and all you heard was a translator speak for her, and I think that's like you said, speaks to the marketability. Go ahead, my man. No, 100. You, you nailed it right on the head. The fact that she was able to add in the English shows okay because there's, there's going to be a lot of people that kind of get annoyed by. Um, not being able to understand somebody, whether it's, whether it's, you know, it doesn't even matter from what country they're from, even, even international uh, fight fans watching somebody who don't know how to speak the language. You even see guys go down to Brazil or you see guys go down to Mexico when they fight and they'll learn certain phrases or they'll learn little things that they can kind of shout out to the crowd. And instantly you hear the crowd react to it. It makes you more marketable. And she's buying in and leaning into the fact that she's not only, I'm going to keep using this phrase for her. She's a, absolute Chinese tank. 
that she also is now saying, hey, I can cross platforms. I can I can be somebody that you can start to understand. I bet she has more phrases the next time she comes back. And again, it just leads to the point that we made a couple of weeks ago about we didn't see a lot of marketability. And then in one card, I think that changed our minds with we've got three prime people now, three primed fighters that can be huge for the sport and kind of taking over this next generation with not only um, in the octagon skills, but outside the octagon skills. Yeah, I, like you said, they need to have both because obviously pro wrestling and MMA are two different you know, fields. But when you're talking about how a pro wrestler is able to talk and sell someone yeah. on a story, right? That's what you love in in fighting are stories. We love to hear about stories of guys like Sean O'Malley coming up through the rankings of the Contender Series, having Snoop Dogg talk about his fights, him oh, having his own podcast, oh, right? Mally! Him having his own podcast, his own Twitch, you know, you being able to see in the life of Sugar Sean O'Malley. That's what makes a fighter more marketable. If they're not doing those things outside of there, it's a lot harder for them not only uh, to to get the title shots, but for them to get paid, right? Because you want to be able to get sponsorships. You want to be able to do these things. And I think for Sugar Sean O'Malley, he has made the perfect mold for the next generation of fighters, how to get to the top and how to market yourself there to the right way. Because you have to do a little bit of both. If you're just a really talented fighter, yeah, you're bound to get there, but you're going to have to go through some really tough fights. But if you're a good marketer and you're able to sell yourself and you're able to make some money and you're able to bring in you know, ticket sales, they're going to let you fight maybe some bigger names that aren't as good, right? You fight a guy that's talented, but maybe he's over the hill, right? You, you talk about somebody like uh, the Sean, uh, not Sean Strickland, um, the, the knockout that he had previously, the overhand right, you know, but he was able to knock out somebody that was a legend of the sport, ha- still had the skills, but not necessarily the same level that he used to be. So I think that's what you want to be able to do. I think he sets the mold as a fighter to be able to, hey, come in, market yourself, make a name for yourself, not only in the cage, but outside of the cage. And if you're able to do both, you're bound to put, propel yourself into the right position. And like you said, Sean O'Malley, Whaley Zhang, not Whaley Zhang, not really doing it the same way as Sean O'Malley and Ian Gary did, but she's did she did it the other way. She showed the skills in the cage, and now she's developing the outside. You know, she's developing the speaking now. So that's what you love to see. I think it's excellent. I think tonight's card was a brilliant showcase of a lot of fun talent. I think I want to talk just a little bit that. about the, the rest of the card. My bad. Go ahead. You're good. You're good. I think the way to say that would be Sean O'Malley talked himself into the title shot. And Wei Lee already had the title. Now she's talking herself into the marketing side. That's it's the two two different avenues. You know what I mean? But anyway, yes. Let's the whole. I sorry we spent you know thirty minutes on the first three fights. The whole rest of the card was awesome. So take it away, John. Yeah. So I mean, we'll just break it down a little bit. You know, just gonna show a little bit of love to to Mario Batista versus Demond Blackshear. First of all, shout out to Demond Blackshear yes. getting the Twister submission last week. Coming in a week later. Actually, I, in my opinion, won the first round. There was a couple of 30-27 cards. We're not going to get too deep into it. Me, You guys know in Blake's uh, position on the judging. It's shit. 
30-27 should not have been happening. DeMond definitely won the first round. But we saw an excellent fight from uh, Mario Bautista. You know, definitely want to give some credit to him. But I, the fight I do want to talk a little bit about is the Marlon Vera versus Pedro Munoz fight. I think that fight was razor thin. I could have seen it going both ways. 30-27, not so sure about that one either. Like I said, don't want to spend too much time on the judging because we talk about that shit way too much. But it was an excellent fight. Cheeto could potentially be the next guy for the championship uh, versus Sean O'Malley. Uh, what did you see in Cheeto Vera versus Pedro Munoz? Uh, Cheeto looked fantastic. He's razor sharp as always. His jab down the middle, Pedro Munoz had no answer for it. And he was doing it round after round after round. Um, I, I thought, in my opinion, again, not to harp on any judging, I thought it could have been split. I was nervous. I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. I was, I was leaning towards Cheeto. But again, and, and if you look, I talk about this most times, I look at damage. You know, I, I know we don't really score that, but as somebody who watches the fights, you look at Cheeto after the fight, and then you look at Pedro Munoz after the fight, and you just ask me, if this was a street fight, who won that fight? I'm going to tell you, Pe- uh, uh, Cheeto Vera won that fight, just based off the damage. I mean, Pedro's face looked like hamburger meat, but he obviously was countering a lot with big, big shots, but that jab just ate him up the rest of the fight, so... Um, this was a fantastic fight. I always love watching either of these two fighters fight because you know it's going to be a brawl. You know it's going to be, you know, there's going to be blood. There's going to be great hits, and it's going to come down to the end. Um, you know, and both of them have finishing power. So this was an excellent fight to really kick off the main card. And I think to your point, even though it could have gone either way, I think it went the right way because we saw who the damage went to. And when you talk about who wins a fight, what we were seeing more this year is who's doing the damage. So I think that's really something you want to see is, you know, the fighter who does the more of the damage getting the win of the round. Let's talk about some of these prelims, man, because, yeah. dude, these were great as well. Um, obviously, Chris Weidman was able to come back and offer a nasty injury. He threw that low kick, snapped that shin, able to come back. But Brad Tavares, man, it seemed like he set the tone for all the low kicks that we saw tonight. But <laughs> he was able to chop off the legs of Chris Weidman. He was able to get the victory. Wasn't the most pretty fight, but, man, he knew that Chris Weidman had the wrestling in his background. So he was on the back step the, most of the time. But what he was doing was counter-striking beautifully. Jab, jab, right hand. A lot of, during that fight. A lot of low kicks. He was able to chop down the legs of Chris Weidman. Weidman didn't want to go away. He had a lot of heart in there. When he switched stances and he had that leg that got surgically repaired and had that steel rod and he started to eat some low kicks there. I'm not going to lie. I was wincing. I wasn't sure how he was going to take some of those kicks. But uh, he was able to last in there. But, man, Brad Tavares, veteran of the sport, faced some of the best in the game, takes out Chris Weidman. Uh, what were your thoughts on that fight? Um, I was, I think I was overly optimistic and bought into the story of Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman is, is a fighter that I've always liked just because he was one of the guys that was high on top at, in the UFC when I first started um, really, really paying attention heavily to all the different guys in all the different weight classes um, so it was a little bit more nostalgic for me that I, I was overly optimistic for him. I wanted him to come out and do good. Obviously, I think he still has a lot in the tank. Um, but Brad Tavares came out and had an excellent game plan. And, and, and to Brad's to Brad's uh, own words, he said, "I don't care who the other guy uh, uh, on the other side of the ring is. I'm going to do my game plan. And I don't care if you're injured. I don't care what you're coming off of. I don't care. I'm going to fight because that's what I came here to do." And you saw it. He wasn't going to take it on Chris Weidman's leg, take it easy on Chris Weidman's leg just because he broke it. Like, if anything, that was his whole game plan. He's like, yeah, you're probably going to be nervous. You're probably going to be injured. You're probably not going to be full, you know, full 100% 
on that leg, even though you might feel like you are. And we saw it in, I believe, the first round, towards the end of the first round, he caught Chris Weidman in the leg and was making him limp. And I actually thought it was going to be over then. I thought it was going to be over in the first round. Credit to Chris Weidman. He had a ton of toughness. I think that kind of woke him up, actually. And he, then he started throwing a couple flurries of some jabs and, and combos when he was able to get inside um, that phone booth with Brad Tavares. He kept trying to go for the takedown. Brad, Brad Tavares notoriously has amazing takedown defense. Have you seen his legs? They're goddamn tree trunks, okay? It's hard if you're going to try to take down a double leg on that guy. Chris probably should have been working more towards the single leg. I'm not going to tell an All-American wrestler how to wrestle. That's just my personal opinion as an unprofessional spectator, okay? But um, it was a good fight. It was a great uh, kind of heartfelt story. The afterwards, both fighters, uh, Brad Tavares went over to Chris Weidman. He did have his leg uh, his knee wrapped up and his leg wrapped up and he was in a wheelchair. Brad Tavares came over, picked him up out of the wheelchair, walked him back. They gave, you know, hugged it out, had some words for each other. So great sportsmanship, um, cool fight. It just, you know, it's one of those, it was a little bit more nostalgic, but, but great uh, performance by Brad Tavares. Yeah. Like you said, man, it was a little nostalgic seeing two legends of the game, you know, Brad Tavares, I'm not sure gets the love or the appreciation for the longevity that he's had in this sport. Uh, but he's been here a long time. He's still getting wins. Definitely want to give out some, uh, shout outs to some of the comments, uh, combat news saying great show guys. Appreciate you watching us. Shout out to fly J dub, uh, talking about here in the chat. Everyone who's talking about that awesome TKO man, Sean O'Malley lit the world on fire. The combat sports world is it going to be on fire over the next couple of days because of this Sean O'Malley knockout? A couple more things I want to touch on for this uh, for some of the prelims. We had the ultimate final or the ultimate fighter yeah. finals in the prelims. And one of these fights, uh, Joe Rogan said it in the third round. I was actually thinking about it before he said it, but the fight reminded me of Stefan Bonner uh, versus True. Like that, like that was, you know, that just just what you had the Brad Katona versus Cody Gibson, yes. you know. Gibson in the first round, in my opinion, was doing a really good job. But in the second and the third round, Katona just brought it back. Both guys didn't want to take a step back. It started off with Gibson taking the front foot. It ended off with Katona on the front foot, backing up Gibson, hitting him with some beautiful shots. It seemed like he damaged the orbital of Gibson because it seemed like one of those jabs. Maybe just you just started covering up and was unable to move forward. Brad Katona was able to win the Bantamweight Championship uh, for... <laughs> the ultimate fighter and um, was able to actually become the first two time yeah. ultimate fighter championship champion. So that was exciting for him. What was your thoughts on the fight, man? Cause that was an absolute banger. I loved it. I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much. I told my mom to watch it. She loved it. That's kind of weird. I know, but she was like, Oh my God, these guys are just beating the shit out of each other. I'm like, yeah, isn't it awesome? Both of these guys, um, you know, ultimate fighter can ultimate fighter, bantamweight you know winner on the line and they left everything in the ring i mean they put on a spectacle and it was so funny because actually when i first uh turned it on and saw these guys i forgot that that's who was fighting and so i was like why are they wearing different shorts oh okay this is what we're doing tonight i, I like i was so caught up on Algermain and way lee and gary um coming into it i was like oh i forgot we were doing this whole thing um so, no, it was awesome. And to see those guys put everything out into the ring and just throwing absolute hammers at the end of that. Neither guy wanted to back down. Each guy wanted to show that they were the ultimate fighter. And I think that was the perfect fight that you wanted to have at the bantamweight division. Um, 
I, honestly, I could have gone either way from just just from all the flurries back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I actually forgot who was leading. I was like, dude, I, I could just watch this for another two rounds if that'd be awesome. But obviously, fighter safety. Uh, but but no, they put on for everybody in that Boston arena. So congratulations to both Brad Katana and Cody Gibson. You guys fucking put on for the tough crew, man. Yeah, and you know, definitely want to also give a shout out to Kurt Hollibaugh getting the submission over Austin Hubbard, getting the lightweight Ultimate Fighting um, Championship over there, and uh, he was able to get a beautiful transition from the armbar to the triangle. Austin Hubbard got caught up in it, and he was able to get the win as well. So, two great Ultimate Fighting champion or Ultimate Fighters uh, in the prelims. We also saw gregory robocop roger guys who i know is one of your favorites yeah. uses, uh, uses wrestling get the takedown beautiful elbit elbows to dennis um one potentially could be called back of the head maybe but man robocop showed some excellent skills in this fight i know you love him break down what you saw in that one yeah no so i mean gregory rodriguez i think robocop is the perfect nickname for him the guy's got a body built from freaking chiseled greek granite man the, the guy just and he continues to come forward just like who just like robocop man um he looks fantastic as always like i think he's got um some very promising future in front of him if he just continues continues to learn and, and tweak a lot of uh, tweak some of the things um that he's got some deficiencies in but and i will say I did think maybe one of those elbows could have been to the back of the head. It is a little tough when you're in that position um, because plenty of plenty of strikes are thrown when guys are trying to cover up or when you're in top mount. That could be questionable. I think that's up to the discretion of the referee. I do like that it was a no call, though, because I think that would have been a robbery to take that away from him or take a point or anything like that because of a, a movement of a head and then an already coming down elbow. That's one of those where it's like, ah, let's let this play out. And it was already pretty much over at that point anyway. So I don't think that was the reason um, that Austin – I'm sorry. I don't believe that that was the reason uh, that Dennis Tullian lost the fight. So um, great great performance by RoboCop. And, yeah, and I mean there's a reason that just shows why he's still kind of one of my favorite guys that I've seen. Watched him here in Kansas City at FAC on that circuit. Then he got to the UFC, and he's just been hitting it ever since. So um, it's kind of cool to see see a guy rise. Um, we've had a lot of guys from out here in Kansas City on the FAC circuit get into the UFC, and this is just another example of that. Yeah, and it was a beautiful fight. Like you said, RoboCop, living up to the nickname, he was able to do exactly. Yeah, I know you saw exactly what I saw. Um, but, man, it was an insane fight, insane card. It should be crazy sometimes, dude. Like, what the? What was that? I, I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. But, anyways, insane card, guys. I want to stick. Shout out everybody who's sticking up with us. Two o'clock in the morning. We appreciate you guys. Anybody that's listening uh, on the podcast feed, make sure you guys follow us on the podcast feed. Make sure you guys follow Fight Bananas on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's been blowing up everywhere. Make sure you guys don't miss the ride. We appreciate you guys hopping on the Fight Bananas boat with us. Uh, make sure you guys follow the main man, Mr. Blake Sneeders at Waken Blake 29. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate you. And everybody, Blake, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, closing thoughts because we didn't get a whole lot of chance to talk about him. Andre Petrosky got the win on a decision. Thought he did good for his performance. Uh, Natalia Silva got the, the win over number 13, Andrea Lee, so that she's going to get up into the rankings right now. Congratulations to her. And Kareem Silva over uh, – uh, over uh, Marina Moroz. Uh, those were all great fights. There was not a bad fight on this card. If you missed any of them, I'm sorry, but what do we always say here? 
at Fight Bananas John. Watch the fucking prelims, okay? Watch the fucking prelims. We'll be there watching them with you guys. If you guys want to tweet at us during these prelims, go ahead. We'll follow along. If you guys see something you guys saw was cool, go ahead and tweet at us. We're going to follow back. We're going to let you guys know how we feel about it. But thank you so much to everybody. Thanks to Dave Van Auken. Thanks for Fight Bananas. Thanks for Guerrilla Warfare Apparel. If you guys haven't, go check out Guerrilla Warfare Apparel up there in the corner. And uh, this was awesome. Uh, Usually we do a longer show, but it's about – 2.30 where John's at, so I'm going to let him get some beauty sleep because you can't keep that face looking that beautiful if you don't get enough sleep at night, all right? So for everybody, thank you so much for commenting. Thank you so much for liking, and thank you for watching live. If not, you can check us out on Facebook and YouTube tomorrow when you all wake up off your drunk asses, okay? Thank you so much, John. Peace, brother. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.